Throughout the recent history of media, the crossover has reigned supreme as the ultimate cinematic experience. That doesn't just go for the major Marvel and DC movies either. No intellectual property or debate exists that can't be improved by the face-off or the team-up. Think Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. Think King Kong and Godzilla. Think Scooby-Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters. But one question has towered over all the others. It's something we've all poured over for years, if not decades. The ultimate, who would win? Today, in Popcorn Politics, we're tackling that very topic. Who comes out on top? Jackie Chan versus the Irish Republican Army. It's me. It's Dearman. I'm here with Jack. We're here. We're ready to talk about this film. I'm very excited. This is going to be, I think, actually a pretty good time with a very unique film with maybe the greatest premise I have maybe ever heard. So what did you think of? Well, actually, let's very quickly. Let's. So we're talking about The Foreigner. Uh, I should lead with that. This is popcorn politics. We talk about political movies. Um, we're talking about The Foreigner, which is a film where Jackie Chan faces off against Pierce Brosnan, who is sort of a hybrid of Jerry Adams and Martin McGinnis. Like, to me, that's instantly a sell. Jack, what did you think of the film? And then we'll kind of maybe break down what the film is about. It was great. I, you, you got to see James Bond go up against Jackie Chan. You got to see a very cartoonish sort of description of or depiction of the IRA go up against a pretty cartoonish depiction of, I, I think Jackie Chan's character is a former Viet Cong member or something like that. Is he? Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, but it's clearly just a whole load of weird, weird politics that get thrown together into a pretty decent action movie. Yeah, here's it. So, obviously, look, we're going to dissect this film. We're going to talk about the politics of this film. But sometimes, dear listener, don't don't worry about it. Just yeah. sit down, watch a film about Jackie Chan fighting the IRA, and you'll have a great time. We worry about the politics of these stupid movies, so you don't have to. Exactly. We're like the nostalgia critic, except without all that stuff that happened. Yes. It's great. But yes, yeah, so I'll give you... Do I will I do the will I do the rundown? Do you want to do the rundown? This was my film, so maybe I should do it. Yeah, you do you do the rundown of this movie because I have watched it and I'm still not entirely sure what happened. So go. Okay, so Jackie Chan is a he's like a former Vietnam War special forces soldier. I'm not entirely sure which side he was on. I think he was on the US side. I think he was on the US side, but maybe he was on the Vietnamese side, but it doesn't No, I don't think he would have been on the Vietnamese side because he his character left Saigon in the nineteen eighties or something. Yeah. Okay. So he's former, but he's former special operator. It doesn't matter who he fought. Okay. He's Jackie Chan. He's Jackie Chan. He's a Chinese. Actually, he's Jackie Chan, not playing a Jackie traditional Jackie Chan role. He's playing like a, a dramatic role. Yeah. No, this is a deeply dramatic role. He runs a Chinese restaurant in London, and he's there with his business partner and his his teenage daughter. One day, his daughter is killed in terrorist bombing at a bank. And an Irish Republican group called the Authentic IRA, excellent, ring in to claim responsibility. So that sort of ends up, he finds a guy he needs to talk to is Liam Hennessy, who is the Deputy First Minister of Northern Ireland. He's member of Sinn Féin. He's, he looks like Jerry Adams. He's sort of in the role of Martin McGuinness, if that makes sense. 
And so Hennessy is trying spends the film trying to work out like who it was who placed this bomb, who it is, because Hennessy is like still the still the army council exists. He still get he still has all the rah lads. He's still trying to like he still has that stuff going on. But he he is trying to make lasting peace. He doesn't want conflict. He wants peace. And so he's trying to basically f- use his leads to find out who it is who is digging up their old weapons caches to use to commit atrocities with. Meanwhile, Jackie Chan is uh, following him around. He's trying to like get him to tell him the names of who carried out the atrocity. Here's the thing, though. Hennessy doesn't know who did the bombing. Hennessy doesn't know who killed his daughter. And Jackie Chan doesn't take no for an answer. So Hennessy hides out in a compound somewhere in Northern Ireland while they all try to work this out. Well, I'm just going to interrupt you there. Sorry, sorry, David. But what I love about this movie is that forgetting the stuff with Jackie Chan, the stuff with Pierce Brosnan and Liam Hennessy would be a good political thriller in and of itself. Like, that would be a good movie. It just, it turns into an almost monster movie kind of narrative with Jackie Chan just killing all of the people who were involved from Hennessy's side. I don't think he kills anyone. I don't think Jackie Chan ever kills anyone. I think he, he only, um, with the, yeah, actually, yeah, I, I think the only person he kills is the guy who killed his daughter. I think that's the only person he kills. Or maybe. No, he kills, he kills all of the people in that, at the end of it. You're right, he does. He kills all the people at the end. But <laughs> he kills the entire, the entire cell of the authentic IRA. He kills a whole IRA. That, that's what happens. But here's the thing, he doesn't kill any of Hennessy's people, so it's no, fine. No, but he shoots and maims and horribly mutilates a load of them. Jack, let's get through what happened. Yeah, okay, sorry. So, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers. Here's the thing. You don't need to... I feel like you could know everything that's going on in this film and still be an amazing time. Hennessy finds out a couple of things of the course of the film. He finds out that one of his kind of old guys has been funneling weapons to the authentic IRA. He finds out that his mistress is involved in the authentic IRA. And then he finds out that his wife is sort of tied into the authentic IRA as well. Long story short, Jackie Chan fights the IRA. Hennessy finds out uh, who set off these bombs. Jackie Chan, I keep calling him Jackie Chan because like at no point did I remember the name of his character because it didn't matter. He goes, he finds a cell, he kills them all, and then he, it is... He goes back into his regular life. He kills a lot of people and just sneaks back into his regular life. He gets Pierce Brosnan to admit that he was having an affair with one of the authentic IRA, ruining his entire political career for reasons that were not entirely clear to me. And then, yeah, then just goes back to running a a Chinese restaurant and gets with his friend at the end. Yeah. So, like, there's a moment where, like, are they going to kiss? And then they kiss. And you're like, okay. Um, So that's this film. Yeah, yeah, sex with his partner at the end, presumably. Uh, It's a weird movie, uh, if you actually talk about it. When you're watching it, it's just kind of enjoyable. But yeah, when you talk about what happens, it's, hmm, that that makes no sense. Yeah, the movie is... In the best possible way. Oh, in the best possible way. I mean, just the whole subplot about Liam Hennessy's relationships. Basically, he gets betrayed by everyone he knows. With the exception of his right-hand man, who's played... Who's played by... By Ramsey Bolton. By Roose Bolton, yeah, by Bruce Michael... Bolton, uh, Bruce Bolton, sorry. Yeah, by uh, Michael Michael Hatton, who is, like, just... He's there. He, he's... But he's also perfect. Like, every scene he's in, you're like, he has this incredible gravitas to a guy who's essentially just going, all right, we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. But you're like, 
oh my god, he will keep an eye on it, you know? Yeah. So what this funny, because you, you touched on that a second ago, but like, you could remove Jackie Chan from this film, and I don't think it would be, with the exception of like, a couple of things, but like, you would need to rewrite a couple of small scenes, but it wouldn't be like a radically different film no. without him. That's what makes the film great. Yeah, it's just Jackie Chan kind of just expedites the plot a bit. He just kind of moves things along, moves things forward. But the exact same thing would happen. Yeah, it was brilliant. Ooh, I think we should uh, tell our listeners, though, that this is the first of two movies that we're going to watch in our St. Patrick's Day kind of series of specials. Yeah, so the plan is that if I. You hopefully are watching this the weekend before St. Patrick's Day. If I listen to it, can get it's a podcast. You're what did I say? Watching it. Who knows? Yeah, we. Who knows? However, you consume your media, I'm not going to judge you. We're not sure how we're going to publish this yet. You could be just watching a waveform bouncing up and down, and that could be your entertainment. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah, but the thing is, um, the plan is to have this up for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, if I or thereabouts, you thereabouts. If I, I, I'll need to get my skates under myself with all the editing. Yeah, you need to figure out how to do that. Here's the thing, okay? If you're listening to this in mid-May, it'll still be a great episode. Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Um. Don't worry. Yeah, I think we should talk a little bit about. Well, I mean, I think we should talk a little bit about the background of what this movie is clearly based on in Irish Republican politics. In the modern day, or at least when this movie was made. It was made in, what, 2016, was it? 2017. 2017. So, at least while the movie was being made, Jerry Adams should have been the leader of Sinn Féin. Yes, he would have been, yeah. Yeah. Jack, I'm just going to let you go off. History is Jack's area. (laughs) History is Jack's area. Even recent history is Jack's area. If you want someone to talk to you about, like, the polling and the upcoming Australian local elections, you come to me. If you want, like... Any context for anything ever. I can't give you context. I can just give you numbers. Okay. okay. So, Jack, you go I'll, on. I'll do what I can. Um, so, will I give... Okay, screw it. We'll go, we'll go right the way back. So, Sinn Féin, kind of the oldest extant political party in Ireland that we still have. It became very heavily associated with the independence movement a little over 100 years ago. Then, eventually, it became the dominant party on the island of Ireland while we were still a part of the UK. And after World War One. They won about 70% of the seats on the island of Ireland. They declared Irish independence, and the IRA was formed as a result of that as well. Uh, long story short, they won uh, independence for 26 of the 32 counties on the island of Ireland, and partition happened, Northern Ireland came into existence, the Irish Free State came into existence, and things kind of stabilised after that for a while. But in Northern Ireland, the IRA uh, and Sinn Féin were still quite active. While down here in the Republic, they uh, they kind of went away for the most part, at least for a long, long time. But up north, they got more and more and more active. And then in the 1960s, they, things started to heat up in Northern Ireland uh, with the Troubles. So a lot of the predominantly Catholic Irish nationalist community in Northern Ireland. I'm going to stop myself right here. Will I go this far in? or I think you kind of have to. Yeah. I think, yeah. Just kind of give, because I feel like if you're Irish, you want to hear this. Yeah. And if you're not Irish, you're just, you kind of need the context. You do, yeah. Okay. Um, So things kind of stabilized down here in in Ireland after the War for Independence. But then in Northern Ireland, there was always a bit of tension simmering 
underneath the surface. So essentially there were two communities in Northern Ireland. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But there was essentially two communities in Northern Ireland. One was Unionist, the other was Nationalist. So the Unionists wanted to keep the union between Ireland, or at least Northern Ireland and Great Britain in the UK, United Kingdom. The Nationalists wanted Northern Ireland to leave the United Kingdom and join the Republic of Ireland, or what became the Republic of Ireland. The Nationalists were predominantly Catholic, though not always, and the Unionists were predominantly Protestant, though not always. And things kind of were at a bit of a stalemate. There was no real violence, not particularly noticeable for a long time. But then the 1960s, things kind of boiled over. The Nationalist community, now again, I'm, I'm saying this from a very biased perspective. I'm from the Republic of Ireland. I grew up in a Catholic family, Catholic nation for the most part, so I'm very biased on this. But the Catholics in Northern Ireland, for the most part, weren't treated very well. Uh, they didn't have the same kind of voting rights as the many members of the unionist community. They didn't really have the same access to jobs or things like that. And so kind of emboldened by the American civil rights movement in the 1960s, Catholics in the North, they went on civil rights marches uh, to a lot of the establishment in the, in the North, though. It kind of got associated with the IRA and with terrorism and with um, this this kind of militant nationalism that was still just bubbling beneath the surface, at least as far as they were concerned. And so the reprisals against this civil rights movement was quite extreme. Eventually, what wound up happening was the British government in London had to get involved. and They sent over paratroopers, elite soldiers, into cities all over Northern Ireland. Initially, they were welcomed by both sides, but not that didn't last. So after the paratroopers went over, it quickly became apparent that they did favour one side over the other. And in January 1972, there was a big protest march scheduled to take place in the city of Northern Ireland, a city called Derry or Londonderry. You call the city something different depending on which community you're from. The protest march was not allowed to take place. It went ahead anyway. The British soldiers went up opening fire on unarmed civilian protesters. They shot a lot of people. They went up killing 14. And uh, that day became known as Bloody Sunday. Now, it's not the first Bloody Sunday in Irish history, but uh, it was pretty dramatic. Now, sporadic fighting had already started before before this, but it really kicked off on Bloody Sunday. Now, it's estimated that the year before Bloody Sunday happened, so 1971, the IRA, it had about 40 active members. A year later, the IRA, it was estimated to have had about 4,000. So it kind of just shot up through the roof. If you talk to locals in Derry, they'll say that uh, the day after Bloody Sunday, the Catholic Church in the city had a line around the block for people queuing up to join the organization. So the troubles kind of, they, they had been going on for a few years before Bloody Sunday, but they really kicked off after that. It was a conflict that lasted roughly 30 years. Uh, about 4,000 people died. Uh, the, the, uh, if you want to find more information on it, I'd suggest reading the Savile Report. Uh, it was a report that came out a few years ago by a uh, British peer. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm glossing over lots and lots and lots of stuff here. and I'm, I'm not being 100% accurate on this. I am being biased. Uh, this is a very contentious subject even today. So I would suggest you check this up yourselves. Uh, I'm just trying to give a bit of context for a Jackie Chan movie. We are, yeah, we are. We are a movie podcast. Yes. We're talking about troubles, you know, well, it's for a, context. Guys. This is the first Irish movie we have had to do. So naturally, we had to do an Irish movie about the IRA. So this is not the first time we're going to talk about Bloody Sunday on this podcast. Well, now, to be fair, more specifically, we had to do the one Irish movie that had Jackie Chan. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you know, it, this was my suggestion, and I I take full It's, a good, it's the first good suggestion you've, you've had since um, 
the big short. So I, I appreciate <laughs> the it. very first film we reviewed. Yes, exactly. Ah, no, the 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 Eyes of Arch is okay. Yeah, it's a good suggestion. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the trouble is, back to that, it ended in 1998. There was a peace treaty treaty signed called the Good Friday Agreement or the Belfast Agreement, and that was signed in 1998. And one of the key elements of that peace treaty kind of made a uh, an agreement that there would be power sharing between the nationalist and the unionist communities in Northern Ireland. Uh, one of the key figures who helped to bring that about was a, uh, a man called Martin McGuinness. Another one was Jerry Adams. Dermot has mentioned both of them before. They were both members of Sinn Féin. Martin McGuinness uh, admitted to, at one point, having been a member of the IRA. Jerry Adams continuously gets accused of being a member of the IRA. Whether he was or not isn't my place to say. But uh, Pierce Brosnan's character in this movie, Liam Hennessy, is kind of a, an amalgamation of the two. And he looks almost exactly like Jerry Adams. He really, really does. Jerry Adams as well, he was the leader of Sinn Féin for a very, very long time. I think, Dermot, you might know the answer to this. How long was Jerry Adams leader of Sinn Féin? Since at least the 1980s, yeah. let me double check. It was it, about it was, it, 30 years, maybe, I think. He was by far the longest lasting leader of his um, his generation, shall we say. Let me have a look. Yeah. Uh, he was leader from 1983 until 2018. So he was leader for a very long time. And he yeah, became, he was leader for 35 years. 35 years. So he became quite a contentious figure, quite a controversial figure. He still is. And this movie was clearly made by someone who is not a fan of Jerry Adams. Yeah. I would warn any Sinn Féin member or supporter going into this that if you are expecting, and I, I you know, look, I'm not coming out for or against Sinn Féin, but if you're coming for a nuanced take on uh, Sinn Féin, uh, you're not going to get it here. No. And I actually think this film... I will say, we'll talk about there. I think this film has a lot of interesting things to say about grief as it relates to politics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. But it does not paint Sinn Féin in a very, uh, very fair light. No. <laughs> very fair or accurate light. Uh, yeah, it was clearly made in, so since uh, 2018, Mary Lou MacDonald has been the leader of Sinn Féin. And the direction of the party's changed quite a bit. The branding of it's changed. I'm sure, Dermot, you can talk about this a bit more. But Jerry Adams in particular. It's cool, it's young, it's hip, it cares about housing. It, Yeah, it, like, it's not it's not your daddy's Sinn Féin. It's not your daddy's Sinn Féin. But clearly Sinn Féin, at least when you talk to some people, it does have a bit of a reputation, or at least it, it's kind of stereotyped as having certain qualities that this movie really amplifies. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, all the connections with organised crime, all the, the seediness, the the lack of morals, uh, the connection to to violence and just things like that, really. Yeah, I think that's right. It really glamorizes it, though. It does. It like It's like, you know, there's Liam Hennessy in his, like, fantastic apartment after having, an e- like, a, a late night with his mistress. Yeah. And you're like, man, he's he looks like he's having a great time. It, you know, uh, he's got this fantastic compound. And I was like... Oh. He's a manor somewhere yeah. in Northern Ireland. That he clearly bought from some wealthy Protestant landowning family at some point. Yeah, Liam Hennessy's doing great. He's doing, he's doing well. And to be, to be fair, all the members of the IRA seem like they're doing great. They seem like they're having a great time. Well, that's something I I don't want to get too bogged out of this. But like the authentic IRA, I want to know how they got such a nice apartment in London. Because my apartment in London is full of mould and is terrible old council 
they're not terrible. It's 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 fine, but like it's all cancel flat from the nineteen seventies, and it's not. I'm just wondering what 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 is there like? How are they able to afford such a beautiful right on the river, right on the river? Yeah, I mean, man, you got to join the IRA. That that's that's what a I they have the best okay, apartments we, in London apparently. For for anyone listening into this who is wondering about, is this secretly a a psyop? for getting people to join the Irish Republican Army. Jack is telling a joke. We are not <laughs> encouraging any of our followers, any of our listeners, anyone who is now or will ever be involved in popcorn politics to join the Irish Republican Army. Yeah, parody. Parody. Don't don't join the IRA. You shouldn't. Violence isn't the answer, guys. But uh, You probably shouldn't join the IRA. It's like, probably a bad idea. Uh, I, I mean, at least, at least if you want, if you want to in in reality, if you want to get a decent apartment, joining the IRA won't have any very impact poor idea. Well, it probably yeah. just won't have an impact on that. Like it, it just won't. This this film, the it, nothing else is incredibly. Um, it gives it gives young people a very a very rosy idea of the kinds of apartment they can get while being an active member of a terrorist cell. But it's just such and a we weird kind of. It's it's just such a weird misunderstanding about what the IRA is probably like. I mean, for for a movie that clearly doesn't really like Sinn Féin or Jerry Adams or the IRA, it makes being associated with these people seem pretty cool and seem quite like yeah. something you might like to do. It seems like they're having a good time at the very least. I love I love the one scene as well where when he's looking for the actual bombers and who the AIRA actually is, he gathers all of the leaders of the IRA together in a boardroom. Yeah. A board. <laughs> <laughs> I love in a glass, in a board glass boardroom. Board. It was it was Fully the glass boardroom part that I couldn't get over. <laughs> it was just all the lads were in a glass boardroom. You need to watch this film. It's like they're talking about it's it's like a music production company talking about the release <laughs> of a new album or something like that. Oh my god, I I love yeah. So let's talk about the depiction of the IRA a little more. Because this is good stuff. I thought it was really interesting that so the first thing that one of the authentic IRA, the authentic IRA, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, is that that's sort of um, an allusion to the real IRA, who were a splinter group from the IRA who continued the violence. The that's IRA kind of the, 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 it off into loads of different subgroups over the years. Yeah, um, it, it, and that's we can't go into the history of this because it would just take weeks. Yeah, that's a different podcast. Yeah, but he says. Uh, we don't swear in this podcast. I'm just gonna say he says F warnings. That'll teach him. No, we do. I don't know. Curse, do we swear? Yeah, fuck it. Okay, okay. Fuck war. He says fuck warnings. That'll teach him. Um, which I thought was like. So for those who don't know, the, the IRA's calling card throughout a lot of the the eighties in particular was to ring up warnings into various different places and say that there was a bomb there. Yeah. Now, and whether or not there was a bomb didn't really matter. The point was to cause disruption and cause disorder and get you know, hotels to empty people out or to get to, to force the police to have to spend all their time going through these different places and it was it was to disrupt. Yeah. So the implication here is that, you know, well these guys these guys don't care about warning. They're just about being terrorists. What was actually one thing I wasn't entirely clear on was what was what were the authentic IRA's goals, other than they just wanted violence. So I think it kind of goes back to to Liam Hennessy's wife who was dealing with grief, something we kind of touched on earlier on. So she seems to be like a, a almost a Lady Macbeth type of figure, 
who mm-hmm. realizes that her Macbeth isn't going to get the job done. So she forms a splinter group of the IRA and uh, basically wants to restart the, the troubles, doesn't care about the, the Good Friday Agreement anymore, and just wants to avenge her brother, who was murdered by the UVF. Mm. So one thing that I did notice about this movie and actually made me uh, yell at the screen a little bit, it's, it's pretty typical in most media that portrays the IRA. They almost never portray the loyalist paramilitary groups like the UVF or the UVA. Uh, the UVF, Ulster Volunteer Force, it isn't mentioned until about an hour into the movie. Which, you know, and it's, it's just barely glossed over. And uh, the UV, yeah, the UVF, they, yeah, they, they weren't great either. They, they did pretty bad things. The IRA definitely did pretty bad things. The British military, the Irish military, and the Irish state did pretty bad things as well. All, all the sides did things to be ashamed of. And none of them should be forgotten, really. But this movie glosses over most of it. Yeah, no. Again, this movie is not a not meant no, to be an actor. No, it's, it's Jackie Chan versus the IRA. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, exactly. So that kind of makes sense that it's it's about getting one over on the Brits. It's but it is interesting because it it feels very much like a film that interprets. There's a point at the start of the film where a police officer goes, "Who was the bombing? Is it ISIS? Is it Al Qaeda? We need to know." And it, it is sort of like, what if the IRA were more like Al-Qaeda? You know, what if their methods were, you know, were more like what we've seen in 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 the 2000s and the 2010s? Am I wrong in thinking that? It just, I, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm generalizing, but it, it felt a lot more like a, you know, no warnings. The purpose seems to be to, to kind of drive a stage to the heart of to the British state. No, I think you're you're definitely onto something. I think it, it, it just it almost felt like a uh, it, it it almost seem comes across as a way of maybe not I, I don't know what you were to use here, but kind of it, it almost came across as a way of almost infantilizing terrorism and showing it to be just a representation of immaturity and a lack of an ability to deal with your emotions, especially grief. So the just the, the lack of any ability for these Irish supposedly former terrorists or former terrorist adjacent people to move on and to deal with a changing world. They're just going to go and do this. They're as capable of this style of terrorism as what we're used to from groups like ISIS or whatever else. And it, it kind of doesn't really approach the concept of terrorism from a human element almost. You know, it, it approaches it from the point of view of a security state or you know or something like that but it doesn't approach it from the point of view of someone who might get motivated to do something like this yeah like i do think that you know the stuff with his wife with her having lost her brother to the uvf it was a moment of the film where if nothing else i was like oh i get why she's doing this but i think for everyone else it was just like a, oh we're going to show them or it was about you know, a very vague concept of Irish freedom. But, yeah. you know, I, I agree that that is sort of infantilizing because one thing you can't say about the IRA is that they're like, they had a very clear idea of the Ireland they wanted to see. Yeah. They had a very clear motivation and they, they published manifestos about like how they wanted, like, they never shut up about it. They, they are, yeah. they talk about it constantly. They still do. And so when you have the authentic IRA, I don't know what Ireland they want to see. It just seems like 
they were just a stand-in for any other culture that the writer doesn't really understand. And so it's yeah. just writing about them in the most vague terms possible. I mean, it, it's um, whenever they talk about the IRA or Ireland in general, it, it's through lots of stereotypes, just misunderstandings. They don't really seem to understand a huge amount about what's going on. I really want to stress to people that you should absolutely watch this film. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We're going to tear apart a lot of this film, but this is this is the best this this is the best film I've watched in ages. This is better than The Dictator. This is better than Network. Those films made me sad. This film never made me sad. This is a very good movie. It makes no sense, but that is not a bad thing. It is also interesting that you know when they say the newer members haven't lived through the bloodshed and are easily swayed. I feel like that is a common talking point in the North. But the film doesn't really, like the reason, the reason that people are easy, easily swayed is because they feel like a lot of those things haven't gone away. The reason for the fight haven't gone away. The film doesn't really go into that. It's just like, oh, you know, the Irish are naturally inclined towards terrorism. I think that's what it kind of doesn't, it doesn't explicitly say, isn't it? Yeah. Oh man, you know, it, that is kind of, yeah, that is kind of what it's saying because it's like young people, their default is terrorism and they don't understand why that's bad. Yeah. You know, while, yeah, it's true that like there are still, there's still that fear that like a lot of younger people could be swayed. It seems like the consensus, you know, whenever this is talked about is actually, you know, there's the old heads who want to bring violence back is much more of a problem than young people who want to restart it for the glory they've never had. At least that's from, again, I don't claim to be an expert on this, but anytime you hear spoken about in the media, particularly in media in Northern Ireland, it seems to be talked about from, from the point of view of the people who live through the violence and who want those days back. Am I wrong in thinking that? Does that just I think there's the a, idea that it's, there's there's some people who do that. There, there, there almost definitely is. I mean, some people might associate those years with their youth, and so they kind of have a nostalgia for it almost. There definitely is people like that. There, there could not be really, at least my understanding of it. But I'm sure that the, there is also as many people, or if not more, who grew up during those years of violence and didn't want anything close to that for their children. I mean, that is one of the reasons why yeah, exactly. the troubles ended. I mean, people didn't want that life for their, for their kids. And most people, I'm sure, in Northern Ireland agree that things are better now than they were 25, 30 years ago. I'd say 99.5% of people in Northern Ireland, I'm sure, would agree with that. This, this is your numbers coming back into it. Is it? Yeah, look, I'm 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 the numbers guy. Yeah, good. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, I don't. Do they poll people to go over things? Was life better in the troubles? Oh, Maybe they, they'll come back next they, week. I mean, Northern Ireland is probably one of the most polled places on earth. I don't know. Actually, in terms of election polling, is there a poll on that? In, in terms of election polling, actually, Northern Ireland is, um, in my view, quite underpolled. I'm really? never satisfied with the level of polling that happens in Northern Ireland in comparison to either the Republic or Britain, especially in England. I find that Northern Ireland, you know. It's a little better now than it was, but between between those two assembly elections they had very close to each other, I think there was only one poll for mm. like those two years. See, now this is me going off on something. And then we come across an issue like a border poll, which we are not going to get into. We're just not going to touch on this. Well, we are going to at some point have to discuss how Jackie Chan affects a border. So, but, no, what I want to say is Jackie Chan coming into this, is it is just a brilliant fuck you to the notion of the IRA is a credible sort of thing. Who was who, the director of this, this movie? Oh, hang on. That, I have I have all my notes somewhere, but I need to uh, I need to actually Dermot, put them together. Dermot has notes. Um, you have guys. You have to have notes. It was Martin Campbell so, who has also made 
who also made Goldeneye. He directed Casino Royale, which is a fantastic movie. Two fantastic and The Mask movies. of Azaro. Three fantastic movies. Um, uh, so he clearly doesn't think very highly of the IRA, but thinks very highly of Pierce Brosnan. Fair enough. Oh, he also directed, sorry, he also directed the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern. Nice. So. Nice. That's brilliant. But to, well, also, we should point out, this is based on a novel from 1992 called The Chinaman, which I apologize for that phrase. If I didn't name it. Stephen Leather did. They do use it, that phrase, throughout the movie. Yeah. And it's like, guys, come on, we don't, we don't need to use that phrase. Yeah. What I think is great is that there's clearly a sentiment there where it's like, well, if the IRA ever had to go up against, you know, a real army like the Viet Cong, they wouldn't stand a chance. It's have you ever seen that? Uh, there's there's a TV show from uh, an American TV show TV show years ago called Ultimate Warrior. I think it was called. Oh, I vaguely remember this. So they would do a kind of competition between two historical warriors. So they'd have a, an episode where they put up a a, a Japanese samurai versus a, a medieval knight or something like that, and they go through all their weapons and gear and training and martial arts or whatever else and do a matchup, do like a simulated matchup to see who would win. And one episode they put up uh, the IRA versus the Taliban. And the IRA win, just about. Uh, they do a simulation in a some disused car scrapyard and the IRA guy wins in the end. This is like that. This movie is like that TV show, only instead of the IRA versus the Taliban. It's the IRA versus the Viet Cong and the Viet Cong win. Yeah, but it's also like it's all these guys like 30, 40 years later and the IRA it's guys not, have been... It's not. They've got the young guy. The nephew. Oh, that's true. They do have the nephew. You're right. Yeah. The nephew who is off. He's like, oh, this bombing has really affected Fundraising. getting uh, don- donations <laughs> from the Americans. <laughs> just... just... <laughs> This movie is amazing. Yeah. I really want to stress this is, I know we're going to keep saying, but just any time I criticize a film, just know it comes from a place of love. Oh, no, I, lo- I love the, uh, yeah, so the, the IRA pretty famously or infamously, depending on who you ask, does a lot of fundraising in uh, in the United States. So a lot of... Uh, As do Sinn Féin. So, pre- separately. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think that's kind of what it alludes to. You know, yeah. it alludes to that they're still one and the same. Yeah. One and the same. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a historical thing. So lots of Irish who went over to America, they they emigrated in their millions over the years. They went over to America, they wanted Ireland still independent, so they would do whatever they could for the for the cause. And that most of the time just meant sending money home. That's how we funded our war for independence. The IRA funded a lot of their actions in the Troubles doing that. And even today, still Sinn Féin gets a lot of money from, from the United States. So this shows... A lot of they can't actually spend in... in- like on the island of Ireland because of electoral laws. Yeah. So I think I think their website is like hosted in Colorado or something. Really? Yeah, I could be completely wrong with that. And if I am, I apologize to Sinn Féin and your beautiful Letterkenny-based website or wherever it's, yeah, yeah. Wherever it's based. Beautiful wherever it's uh, servers. Beautiful artisan Irish website, uh, traditional yeah. Irish website. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, 9-11 really did a number on IRA fundraising in the United States. But uh, this this shows uh, the character, what, what's his name, the nephew? 
the nephew, he's the, the incredibly handsome guy. Yeah, the really, really handsome the guy who looks like a oh, he, a male model from 1992. Uh, Sean. Sean, of course. Yeah. Of course, his name is Sean. The guy who looks like he's from a boy band in 1992. You need to watch this film for Sean Love. Yeah, no. Tell you that much. Fair enough. But he's the former Irish Rangers. He he took the Queen's shilling, fought in the British Army in the Royal Irish Regiment, Rangers, whatever it's called, and now fights for the IRA and fundraises in New York. Jackie Chan asked him about that. He's like, why did you do that? And he's like, oh, I wasn't fighting for Queen. I was fighting for the Rangers. Which, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how accurate I mean, that is. Maybe it is, but... It's kind of like maybe if he had, like, he was a Labour Party supporter in the UK who, like, interned with the Conservatives just to get, like, trained up. Yeah. <laughs> so he could go back to Labour to, like, you know, use the skills he learned in this Conservatives. I think that's that's the way I'm choosing to understand it. Surely they do some sort of vetting for these things, no? Oh, his uncle is... You know, yeah, his, the famous his uncle was the, the famous terrorist. <laughs> well, surely by that yeah, stage, that's... surely by that stage, his uncle would have been an upstanding British MP. <laughs> he would have been a, a, a member of the the British government or the British. Uh... I know. To be fair, he, uh, Liam Fennessy was a proud abstentionist. He never once attended anything in uh, no Liam. Sorry, Liam Hennessy. If you call him Liam Fennessy, Liam Fennessy, Liam Hennessy. Liam... It just... It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I don't want to get the man's name wrong. Liam Hennessy. Liam Hennessy. He was, yeah, good guy. Yeah. <laughs> good guy, except for his, except to his wife, but it turned out she is actively a member of uh, a terrorist splinter cell. So, yeah. Uh, I think we better talk about something that's kind of, we've kind of skirted around a little bit, and that's the, uh, this movie's glorification of the British deep state and security apparatus. Here's the thing. If you think that the... British security state is good and oh boy do we have a movie for you yeah (laughs) well here's like you pointed out to me before we started recording that it's like there's a scene where it's just like we have like the ex-IRA guy who turns out is kind of funding them meeting with one of the uh, bombers from the bank bombing in a pub in Dublin and the film just goes that's just a thing we have that's like by the way just so people know Dublin is a separate country. <laughs> well, yeah, Dublin Dublin is, yeah, not, not part of the United Kingdom, as far as I'm aware. I don't think this movie actually talks at all about Irish independence. Or just He's only ever referred to as the Irish First Minister or Deputy First Minister, never the Northern Irish Deputy wow. First Minister or the Deputy First Minister of the North of Ireland or any of those phrases. He's only the Irish. This film exists in alternative history. Where the only difference is that no part of Ireland ever became independent, but the capital is still in Belfast, uh, for reasons that aren't entirely clear. That's the only explanation I have. Man, it's it, it's it's like. But I think they do. Men- this this movie mention- might be if Edward Carson, if all of his dreams came true, pretty much. Would Would Edward Carson cast Pierce Brosnan as? He probably would. I don't know if Edward Carson's movie preferences. I mean, but... I mean, in his lifetime, in his lifetime, he, he wouldn't have been able to foresee things like drones or I don't know a laptop bomb. Oh my god, the laptop bomb! That's brilliant. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, the glorification of the British security state. Just yes, yes. They... Sorry, guys. So there is a. Have you ever seen the movie The Departed? I've never seen The Departed. Okay, we're the gonna Departed. have to do that at some stage because it's one of the best movies yeah. ever. 
But part of the reason we start basically if a film if a film was like relatively well reviewed between 2010 and 2015, I've seen it like maybe three or four times. Oh, not, I, or if it's an anime, me, there's a big gap. Or if it's anime, yeah. If it's anime, I've seen it. Unless, oh no, actually that's not true. But I've seen a lot of anime. Okay. Anyway, no, yeah, The Departed. Anyway, it's based. It's oh. based on a movie uh, called Infernal Affairs. I think it's a Hong Kong movie. It's it's based on the same thing. So it's it's about um, undercover cops and criminal organizations infiltrating police. Yeah, I kind of have an idea of what it's about. I just don't, never seen it. in the Chinese version of it, like th- this is just the, the the original Cantonese version of the movie. But in the uh, in the Chinese version of the original movie, the at the end of the movie, the police rush in and they knew what was going on the entire time. So everything that had happened in the entire two hour movie beforehand was ever irrelevant. The, the kind of espionage, counter espionage that's going on is 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 pointless. This movie is the same feckin' thing. It's the same just the British government know exactly what's going on throughout the entire the entirety of the thing. They have drones spying on everything that's happening, rendering all of what we're seeing irrelevant. It's great. Or if they don't know now, they will know in a few scenes. Yes. Like they'll they'll know they'll almost certainly know about it before before the other characters know about it. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, it's because it's a lot of for for fantasy and for Jackie Chan. It's like they spend the whole time trying to work things out. Those things are worked out by the British government and then just withheld from them. Yeah, well, it's, it's it seems as though almost as though the, the British government they they're just too busy. So it's, <laughs> they, there's just so much other stuff going on that as soon as they, you know, divert an iota of their attention or concentration to this one specific Irish question. They'll solve it. They'll, they'll figure it out. No problem. And they do. They're also depicted as incredibly good. And I don't mean good as an effect. I mean good as in there. there's one guy in particular who is incredibly patient with Jackie Chan's character, you know. Oh, yeah. He, you know, He's incredibly understanding. Incredibly understanding, kind. Especially compared to Hennessy. When Hennessy is introduced, he's immediately like defensive and aggressive towards Jackie Chan's character in a way that doesn't really make sense. Like, he has no empathy for him. Yeah, I don't think politicians whatsoever. can really get away with that. That was my sense. Like, if he's meant to be like Jerry Adams, Jerry Adams is famously charismatic. Oh, he really is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the thing. And so you're watching this and you're like, what politician? When I was studying for my master's, a girl in my course had to uh, get into, she was doing some campaign event for a TV she was working for. She had to go back into a car, into a car to collect something, couldn't get in. She got someone to help her try and get into the car. The first person she found apparently was Jerry Adams. So Jerry Adams and this girl I studied with tried to break into a car for, for a, an amount of time, apparently. Turned out to be the wrong car in the end. Um, <laughs> and later that day, oh, in the news, Jerry Adams was arrested because of something his brother did. So she was uh, she had a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, you're watching that scene, uh, you know, with your have worked in politics hat on. You're like, just no politician would react that way. No. You're like, I'm very sorry for what happened to your daughter, but the implication that I had anything to do with it, yeah. it's just like, whoa, you are you are at a hundred right now and you need to be at like a twenty. Yeah. And then, then he just pours himself a drink right away. <laughs> yeah. But in comparison, you know, the British take like the film ends we mentioned Jackie Chan just goes back to his normal life. The reason he goes back to his normal life is because 
one person within the British state who he had been dealing with before is just like, no, leave him off. Monitor him, but he's fine. Yeah. Which, like, again, is this film is amazing and brilliant, so we forgive all its sins, but it's... Yeah. This film really has, like, a position on in that, Ooh, yeah. in that argument. I really want to talk as well about uh, one character, kind of a very much a secondary character, but it's the mistress, who is also a member of the authentic IRA, um, mm. and she, she honeypots people throughout the movie as well. One guy in particular, yeah. The, the, the yeah, journalist. The, the journalist, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think she's she's an excellent character in that she's barely in it. She, she's barely in the movie at all. And, it, you know, I, I didn't even realize that the mistress and this IRA agent were the same character for, for quite a while. But uh, she quite callously plants bombs all over them, kills other people, plants bombs on the bus, whatever else, uh, seduces the guy to put a bomb on his laptop that will blow up a plane that the, the First Minister of Ireland is on, all this sort of stuff. Uh, and she uses sex to get into these kind of situations and connect to, to help the cause. And it's kind of portrayed almost as though she is being forced into doing it. So like the IRA are kind of exploiting her sexually to, to further their cause. And it's, it's kind of portrayed at least in one moment, in one scene, as, you know, that, that's a bad thing. The IRA are kind of just terrible mm-hmm. toward women. But then at the very end, after Jack and Chan goes on his rampage where he kills all the members of the authentic IRA, aside from the woman, he doesn't kill the woman because he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's the good yeah. guy. The British army come in right away afterward. She's the only survivor. So they torture her. She is the only character. I think she's one of only two characters that's tortured in the movie, mm. uh, like, like explicitly to get information. And then she's murdered by the British state right right away. They kind of... I don't think you're meant to think, oh, this is bad. It's meant to be, cool, job done, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, for- I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. And like, yeah, we got this bitch. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's basically. Yeah. And it's it's right after um, another woman is just like shot like point blank. And then it's like, cool, she's dead. So it's like, wow. Hmm. What's going on in this movie? It's, it's only that, 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 that she's, the, the death isn't shocking because she's a woman. But the death is just shocking because she's there <laughs> on the ground, not able to move her arms or legs, un- you know, unable to move, with bullet holes in her, and she's just shot in the head. Screaming in pain as well. I think. Yeah. It is, yeah, it's... It's grotesque. It's, it's pretty gruesome. It's um, a good movie, guys. Good movie. It is a good movie, though. Yeah. Like, it, like... <laughs> like, it's very sad to say, but like this, all of the things we talk about here, I was watching this being like, oh, I, I would I would love to be watching this just like with a couple of drinks, just like with a bunch of friends. Yeah, yeah it's great for that. You know, and just being like, it's kind of like um, a Demolition Man okay. in that regard. I think, we're, did, were you there when we all watched Demolition Man? No, you watched Demolition Man without me? This was like three years ago. Oh my God, damn it. This is one of the brief times where I lived in Ireland. Uh, you monster! You, it's possible you were living in the UK at the time, potentially, or I was—I was on a tour or something like that. Um, yeah, I think we better talk a bit about Jack, Jack, the favorite. Jack, Sorry, Jack was a tour guide. He's not a musician. Yes, <laughs> so I, was, I was literally guiding a tour. Um, I think that it's we better talk about our favorite moments in the movie. Mm. 
Okay. Do, okay. do you have any moments that stand out or any lines or anything? So in terms of moments, I'll get to lines in a sec, but in terms of moments, it it has to be the any time Jackie Chan went at the... Uh, like, Jackie Chan is a subplot in the movie yeah. for, for much of it. He's kind of comes in at the start and he kind of comes in at kind of a final third. But he, he, he's not really driving the story forward at all. But the parts where he comes in, particularly when he's like doing his his home alone two sort of act. Yeah. Um is it's just always best when he's escaping from the IRA guys. The, the part in the in the B and B was excellent. Yeah, the B and B is excellent. The part where he attacked the two guys in um in the kind of the shed area. Yeah. His face off with uh, the the nephew Sean, with Sean, yeah, it's just it's all great. It's all really really good. It's great. And then, the, and then the scene at the end, like the final the battle at the end, as it is the thing that makes it the best is the way in which he gets in by impersonating a gas safety guy. Yeah, all that stuff is just so great. And then it because you know Jack Chan is such an incredible master of comedy. And he uses those same tools to almost like to build suspense. It's it's actually he's a, it's it's one of the best roles I've ever seen him in. He's mm. really he's a good actor in it. I mean, his performance is excellent. Yeah, like just most of the things. Like he's he is the star of this film. He's not like the focal point of the film for a lot of it, but he is the star. And when yeah. he is on, when he is on, he is on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a lot a lot of his stuff for me is the stuff that we. Which look, this is a politics podcast. But I talk I talk about the political stuff, but like, I'm not going to lie to you and say that the political maneuvering, which is great, which is entertaining in its own way, is not beaten by Jackie Chan fighting the IRA. Yeah, it's great. Well, Jackie Chan he he turns a forest in somewhere in Northern Ireland, some remote part of Northern Ireland, into presumably the Vietnamese jungle, and proceeds to set up several awful gruesome traps for IRA men and uh, just <laughs> he fights the Ra in a forest in Northern Ireland. There aren't any forests in Ireland anymore. There is no forest in Ireland big enough to be able to pull off something like that without killing a bunch of innocent people doing it. Uh, like It just wouldn't happen. But that's a minor nitpick. Um, my favourite moment of the movie, I think, a moment that really stands out for me is it's a bar scene. So it is one of the first scenes where we 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 see the mistress character in her role as kind of the the honeypot of the IRA, yeah. Where she seduces the femme the, the, femme yeah. the where she seduces the journalist. That's a, that's something that the the IRA did. That was a tactic they employed. So they have girls seduce British soldiers and plant bombs on them, or in some way get them into a dangerous situation. And in a bar in London, she seduces this journalist. By going up to him, because he's 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 a journalist, he's at the bar very awkwardly on his laptop and just taking up a huge amount of space at the bar. Instead, instead of going to a table, he goes right up at the bar. No, man, he's got to be at the bar. Got to be at the bar. Just got to be obnoxiously using as much space as possible. And clearly his laptop, if he were to do that in real life, would just get saturated in beer and vodka Red Bulls and whatever the feck else is going is going on in that in that bar. But this girl comes right up to him and uh, hears his drink order, says, nah, order a real drink. And then calls the barman over by name and says, here, give us two two glasses of Jameson straight up. 
she says, order yourself a real whiskey, and then proceeds to order Jameson. It's one of the it's one of the best pieces of uh, product placement I've ever come across. A just piece of product placement that took me right out of the narrative of the story more than anything else. I had a so first off, I love the fact yeah she orders whiskey and then downs it, so she you know she's a cool girl. Yeah, you know that she orders like, or she downs both drinks in the one go. Yeah, so she's cool. Yeah. Also, similar product placement thing when they're like taking pictures of the bodies after the explosion. It puts the guy on the camera, and his Sony logo is incredibly visible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The logo on the camera, like, and it's you're almost like I can't be offended by this right now. If this is intentional product placement, then it's really bad. Yeah, like if Sony sign off on yeah, so make sure we're cutting to the woman crying, the the harrowing <laughs> images of destruction, and then if you could get the logo in, that's kind of key for us. When you see terrorism and people killed as a result of such, use Sony. I just I have the image of like the the, the brand guy is on set and he's kind of like looking over the cinematographer's shoulder. And he's just like, can we get a bit more shine on the O? I really want that that O shine when he's taking a picture of this destruction. If you could just, could you? The other so so there's a few lines in it that I just like really kind of that I picked out. Someone said I. Th- I can't remember who said it, but it was like the men, they said this to, to Hennessy, but like the men sense weakness as do the UVF. <laughs> I have no content. I did not write down who said that, when it was said, why it was said. I obviously at the time, I watched this film about a week ago. I felt that that, that line just stood up by itself. It didn't need context. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think the idea of, um, when they're talking about the the bombing they're planning to do, um, before they, they realize what it's going to do, they're like, any idea which plane yet? And the guy goes, no, we don't hit a flight with any Irish on board. And I'm just like, buddy, <laughs> how do you, you organize that? How do you How do you? Well, know? actually, I mean, we, we should admit on this podcast right now that all Irish people, we, we, we know what flights each other take. That's just because we post on like Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that was... That's just because we all know, you know what we're all doing at any given point in time. Yeah, and we we a lot of people don't realize that the Irish sort of have a a permanent mind link with each other, almost like some kind of hive. Uh, if you know the Geth from Mass Effect, particularly Mass Effect Two with with um, Legion, that's a really good parallel. It's actually based on it was, it was really more accurate depictions of uh, Irish culture I've seen in a video game. The the Geth in Mass Effect. This this podcast is actually, you know, for me and Jack is kind of pointless because we already know how the other feel. Like anytime I'm like, oh, that's a good point, or like, like I already know this because I'm psionically linked to Jack. But yes, we're doing this for you. Do you know what I mean? The listener, the listener. Um, I love the scene in the airport as well. The scene in the airport. Oh, I, I just have to talk about so... that. Where they're looking for the the the, yeah. the 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 police are screaming the journalist's name because. They know about the bomb that she planted in his laptop, and they they have the countdown timer, and they're screaming his name, they're screaming his name, and uh, he has his earphones in and doesn't hear them as as they run past, and you just wind up with a with a British policeman running around with a bomb in a packed airport where people seem to be crowding around him actively as he's screaming, running through an airport. Surely, if someone screams running through an airport these days, 
everyone gets out of the way immediately. Like the whole place empties out right away. There's no way this happens. But then the barn goes off. Hard I just thing. love that it's it's oh, it's brilliant. I just love the idea that like that everyone could have been eviscerated because he was listening to tunes. It's great. Like it's just it's great. It's, it's the irresponsible movie. The irresponsible media. Yeah, no, I, the media are they are weak, they're unfocused. So many moments. Uh, I loved when it turns out that Liam Hennessy has been like orchestrating and like the IRA to this day, but just no longer in a kind of a. It's like I said, just hit a few financial targets. That's it. No one gets hurt. That's what we agreed to. It's like <laughs> no man. He's still he's still doing the IRA stuff, but just without. Without anyone dying, it's just he's only the financial targets to get the money to support his lifestyle. Yeah, and I'm like, does that mean that like it's like is that a reference to the Northern Rock break in? Is that a re- reference? No. So like it's it's clearly not a reference to anything. It's just they don't like Jerry was... Adams and think that he's doing this all for his own personal benefit. I thought it was like a cyber thing. Maybe they're like in a like. The IRA are getting into like they're going to be like net runners from cyberpunk. No, it's it, it's just they they think the IRA is a is a gang essentially. They they're they're comparing it to a unorganized crime operation, which and the fact that he's explicitly still like ordering that stuff, like the fact it's not like like it's not like uh, uh from what I'd heard you guys do, I they was get willing... together. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, they get together in a boardroom. So. So we have to plan our. <laughs> we have to plan our, our attacks on financial institutions. They presumably have some PowerPoint presentation. They take away. You know, they have actionable points from their meetings and whatever. Oh, it's just there's just like people coming in, like going, "Oh, guys, do you need anything else for the room? Like, what happens if like the PowerPoint doesn't work and you need to get the tech guy in? Does it have to be a specific like IRA tech guy then to get in? Oh. You know." That's brilliant. No, don't worry. Dahi here is fine. We can have him work on the thing. They they wouldn't it's have a name Dahi because it's too. Well, no, he goes by David. Irish. No, you see, he goes by David in in British circles, but that's that's sort of like his covert. No, he, he, his covert. There's identity. only a handful of names. His name is Patrick or Michael or Seamus or Sean. Oh yeah, there was one part, and I don't know if this was or a mistake Liam. from the subtitles. So I watched this film with subtitles, uh, mostly just to make it easier to like write down quotes and stuff I liked. But there was one bit where the subtitles referred to one people as Patty, P-A-T-T-Y. And I don't know if that was a mistake. I don't know if that's specifically what it was in that meeting. It was like, I've told you Patty, not says, but I don't know if he said Patty and the subtitles made a mistake or if it was in the script to say Patty. Yeah. And if it was, then this is still a great film, but I cannot endorse it. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, it's it's not like actual Paddy's Day, Paddy's Day. It's, it's it's I don't think that's the same thing. But I think if you're right, I don't this stand. Movie, I can't stand over. I don't think any member of the IRA would be called Patty. Well, I mean, I think this about done, that's that's a credible generalization. I'm sure. There's, I'm sure there's <laughs> of all the assumptions we've made about the IRA on this podcast this evening, that is the most bold. I think it's a radical position. Most radical position on the IRA. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other moment because like oh, there's so many great moments. Um, right. Like when they're like talking about, and I I can't again I can't remember the context for this. I just have a, the line written down. But it's uh, I think it was when the um, 
our hero within the British state is talking to Jackie Chan. He's trying to talk about, he says, these are vicious men who revel in their atrocities. And I think that really kind of sums up how, or to take pride in their atrocities. I think that really sums up this film's view of the IRA, regardless of what your view is of the IRA. This film believes that the IRA, they commit atrocities because they like doing it. That they're like, like when a YouTuber makes a really good video, that's how they feel about committing atrocities. They're just like, man, I really knocked out the park. You know, I brought some real, like I'm always trying to innovate. I was trying to bring some, some real, just something, something to, to make people want more. And I feel like I did that. And like, you just got to keep, you just got to keep pumping out the content. It's just, it's just all about yeah. the content. But that's kind of how it feels. Like, it's just like, why do these guys do it? Oh, they just re, they just really like committing atrocities. They just, not even they really like it. They, it's what they know. It's what they know. It's what they know. It's what they know and it's what they do. It's actually quite a horrible stereotype about the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they're just violent. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and that seems to be just the, the general tone of this film. Yeah. And look, I cannot stress enough. This was a great watch. Oh, it's it's a really, really entertaining movie. And genuinely entertaining, not just like in a turn your brain off. Like there's a lot of the like internal affairs kind of like who knows what, who did this working out who knows what and sometimes then Jackie Chan comes in as kind of like a <laughs> spanner in the works it's really great it's, it's a political thriller but with Jackie Chan killing loads of people in the side of it and it's yeah it's really great and I think people would, will really enjoy it and it's on Netflix I do think that is something that more political thrillers should incorporate uh, a mentally ill ex special forces soldier going after someone well, for no real reason but he's not thing is no 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 vulnerable hang on he has it he has it yeah he is vulnerable but he's he has his reason he just he just wants to know who killed his daughter that's all he wants to like he just wants to like so he he goes oh there's a guy on the tv i'm I'm going to mutilate this person and kill people around him and terrify the bejesus out of him until he gives me names of members of the ira it's just the logic of it is brilliant makes no sense well here's it He's not getting any, he's not going anywhere else. He's not getting any other leads. It's like, well, I've got this one thing. And, you know, if he'd gotten some answers early, maybe he wouldn't have been driven to that. But it's like, you know how it's like. You're trying to just figure something out. And it's the walls keep coming up. And as the walls keep coming up, you kind of keep rising, rising, rising. Because you're just like, well, I just have to get this, I have to get this done. That's what's happening to Jackie Chan in this film. That's the content that he has to put out. That's the content that he has to put out. And I, I, you know, I understand him. I don't know if I always agree with him, but I understand. And on that note, <laughs> that, was, that was the, that may have been the dumbest thing I've said on this podcast so far. You know, yeah, but we're leaving that one in though. Um, that, that's kind of, we have in. to leave that in. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's any other lines that I really, really just need to, I really just need to get out. Like, the only one thing I've written down, which I've already addressed, which is introducing erotic Jerry Adams is not something the world needed, frankly. I want to, I want to, I want to correct myself. I wanted to correct myself. It was like absolutely something the world needed. Um, and it, it was the fact that he was introduced in that way was quite surprising to me. 
in in a, mean, in a kind of a, a steamier scene than maybe I had anticipated. But you know, in in retrospect, it was exactly what this film needed. So, Jack, anything else we have to say about the foreigner? I highly recommend it. Don't go into this movie expecting to know more about Ireland, the Troubles, or anything anything that's mentioned in it. Coming out, coming out of it. Don't don't expect Honestly, to learn anything at all. Uh, but expect to understand it a little less. Yeah, exactly. Expect to to have your understanding of the world reduced by watching this movie, but your enjoyment of the world improved. Yeah, increased. I'd agree. Whatever. This is a great film. It's it's not a great film in terms of like does this stand up with the great political thrills of the time? No, probably not. No. Does but does this deliver on what you wanted and more? Which is there's a film where Jackie Chan. I don't, no, it does. I think it, it was does. marketed Jackie as a movie Chan, where Jackie Chan would be in it more than he is. But I think he's in it the right amount. He is because like there was time because every time I came back to him, I was like, oh yeah, it's Jackie Chan again. And then like his whole bits, I was like, this is great. And then it came back to him, and I was like, oh yeah. But I feel like if he was in it anymore, I'm like, okay, I don't quite understand why Jackie Chan's. Needs to be I would, so much. In I mean, I, w- I would like to see the scenes where Jackie Chan is going through Belfast, going to the Titanic Museum in Belfast. Maybe that could have been a powerful scene. I don't know what it would have symbolized, but going through the old Harlem Wolf shipyard. I mean, going to the Felons Bar. I just you know, where Jackie Chan did that whole detour so he could go to the Game of Thrones set? Yeah, going to the Game of Thrones set, going to the, the Dark Hedges as well, the, the Giant's Causeway. Yeah. Seeing that too. Um, yeah, and I mean, you might as well just pop down to the south then at that stage, you know. That stage, plenty of love. Down to Dublin for a couple of nights. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of great things, you know. Obviously, the Guinness storehouse is there. Exactly. Obviously, you've obviously. I mean, you were doing tours at this time, so it's possible you could have given, if he had done this, you could have given uh, Jackie Chan's character a tour of Dublin. I, yes, th- it is possible that I could have given tours to Jackie Chan. Well, well Jackie Chan's if, character. If, yeah. Yeah. If he, if he had bothered to come down and explore Ireland yeah. to the fullest. Uh, if anyone does yeah. want an itinerary of of a trip around Ireland, let me know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we should uh, we should start wrapping up this episode and I talk on uh, The Foreigner. <laughs> it's a great episode. Yeah. It's a great episode, a great movie. Great movie, um, highly recommended. Yeah, like, you know, I, I kind of... I, I, I think this is the film... Out of all the ones we've talked about for the podcast, this is the one where I'm like... Cool, I could recommend this to a friend. Easy. You know, everything else I'm like, yeah, you need to be in the right mood, or yeah, you know, honestly, it could be a bit of a downer, or in the case of The Dictator, don't watch this. This (laughs) film on my. Even this, even just the conversation we're having here, I'm just like, this is a, this is great. I, I, it's it's very enjoyable. I feel like I could talk about this film for like two more hours, but it is getting late. Uh, so when we're recording, so. Um, uh, so next week, yeah, my choice is it is your choice going to be the siege of Jalville, which is also on Ooh, very exciting. So the siege of Jalville uh, is about uh, the first ever deployment of Irish soldiers uh, overseas uh, to the Congo in the nineteen sixties. Irish peacekeepers for the UN, and uh, yeah, it talks about a battle that uh, some of the soldiers fought in in a place called Jadotville, and it was actually the first defeat of uh, the Irish army abroad. But uh, the defeat itself is actually kind of um, 
kind of officially defeat at the time uh, in Ireland. The, the soldiers were kind of, they weren't really welcome back. Uh, but the battle itself, they didn't lose a single man. They really, the battle itself kind of is, kind of the, the way it happened, it was kind of like the Irish version of Rourke's Drift. So if you've ever seen the movie Zulu, it's kind of the Irish version of that. If that makes it makes sense when you see it, yeah, no, I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, cool. I, 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 so many of these films, I haven't seen it. Uh, Join us next I, week as we continue Dermot's film education course. Well, here's public the thing. So I, course. I had seen The Dictator, and I had seen The Eyes of March, and I had seen uh, uh, the other one we watched that I had seen. <laughs> you know. Pick movies you haven't seen then, for God's sake. Okay, you had to do this. Well, that's what I just did. Yeah, yeah. And it was the best, the best experience maybe I've had in my entire film watching life. Man. Uh, cool. Cedar Jada's film next week. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jack, thank you very much for another incredible episode of Popcorn Politics. How can uh, we get in touch with you on Twitter and TikTok? Yeah. Well, here's the thing on Twitter and, and on TikTok, on Twitter and on TikTok, whichever one, it's at Dearbit G Burke. At D I A or N U I G P U R K E. And yeah, you can message me what you think about the show. You can just watch my TikTok videos. Some people seem to like them, um, which I'm glad to see. Um, yeah, it's all good stuff. All right. And if you uh, felt we missed out on anything in The Foreigner, or if you'd like to add anything more, if you thought we were wrong about anything, if you thought we were right about anything, annoy Dermot on either of those yeah. two mediums. See you next yeah, week, everyone. Exactly. Don't only annoy me. Yeah. See you next week, everybody. Uh, stay safe. Bye. Gonna stop recording. Gonna hit that.